You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Can Texans fans bid a final farewell to one of their least liked offensive linemen? I'll tell you who's officially out the door. And you'll hear the second part of our conversation with Stephanie Stradley, who covers the Texans for the Houston Chronicle. Hello, everybody. I'm Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk podcast, alongside my partner and co-host, Brian Patterson from House of Houston. Welcome to Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. We're also part of the FanRag Sports Network. Well, you won't have Xavier Suofilo to kick around anymore on Wednesday. He signed with division rival Tennessee. What does that mean? Mm, If he figures it all out with the Titans, the Texans offensive line coaches, they might have some splaining to do. We've already witnessed Brandon Brooks turn into a Pro Bowl guard after he departed. Of course, Brooks was much better, so there's also that. Yesterday, we played part one of our conversation with Stephanie Stradley. If you missed it, We got our thoughts on Bob McNair's latest controversial comments. We also began looking at the Texans' off-season moves. In the second part of our chat, Brian started off by asking her what she thought was the biggest free agent signing. Probably Matthew if he stays healthy. You know, the offensive line, they had to get bodies. Maybe they see something that's promising. But, you know, the the best thing that the, the Texans' offensive line could have used is a time machine to go back in time knowing that, (laughs) pieces and parts of your offensive line that were aging and likely going to depart either through injury or contract reasons and to actually have a plan like a hair on fire plan to fix it not just getting big bodies that might be able to play multiple positions I also think that I would like to see more of the team letting their offensive linemen do what they do best versus switching them around a lot, whether it's in practice or during games. I mean, I understand that that you want some sort of flexibility in your offensive linemen, but I don't think it makes it easy on them. And on my Twitter feed, at uh, Steph Stradley, I have a really good discussion about the offensive line that I had with Wade Smith before all the free agency happened, where he went through different scenarios of different offensive lines that he would like to see, you know, which free agents were available. None of those scenarios happened just the way that he, he put it out. But he talked about a lot of these issues of putting players in positions where they can be more successful because, you know, those of us on the outside go, yeah, it would be great to have players that can play multiple positions, but, you know, sometimes you risk that whole jack of all trades, master of none. And all players have to be really, really like they should be starter quality at their primary position that they can play extra stuff is nice, but you want somebody who is projected to be a start an NFL starter. And if they don't even have that as an upside, I don't want to see them on the roster. Any weaknesses that we need to address that, that still are gaping holes uh, with this, with the team that we have right now. The offensive line obviously is a question mark until it's not a question mark. The tight end position. uh, I don't think any of the people that they have uh, players that they have are starter quality players. Like, you know, if, if you were picking your tight ends for your team, you would not pick any of the Texans tight ends as your starting tight end. If you had a choice. The running backs were all very injured, and I don't know 
you know, there's a lot of work that they have to do in the summer. And I don't know that this is the group that can do it. Now you can draft running backs in lower rounds and have good success with them very quickly because that is a position where you can have early success uh, and you can find those players in, in, you know, know, rounds three and lower. So same thing with tight ends. I mean, you can find decent tight ends. You don't have to draft a tight end in the top round to get a good tight end. You just have to find a tight end that has the skill sets that you need for your particular offense. I, I think also they need more wide receivers that have hands. I mean, one of the things with Ellington last year when he was healthy is if if the ball was thrown his way, he would catch it. Andre Hopkins, obviously, he's not going to win you know, the Houston Texans foot race, but he's not going to drop any balls that are anywhere within his catch radius. I mean, his catch radius is ridiculous. I don't like their non-DeAndre Hopkins wide receiver group, even though they have drafted repeatedly high. Maybe there's a big jump up with the rest of that group where they can stay healthy, can catch, you know, catch, Reliably. Now, what's interesting with, um, and this is this is something that's not talked about a lot, but when you saw when the offense was exploding, the balls were more catchable. They were more catchable mm-hmm. balls. Like, did you notice this? Yeah, one of the things you were talking about is just the the hands of uh, the receivers, and it's amazing that Will Fuller's hands got a little bit better when Deshaun Watson was the quarterback, and yeah. and, and I think it's something. You know, during the offseason, you know, we, we talked, we heard from the assistant coaches and, and one of the things they were talking about with Will Fuller or talking in terms of Will Fuller is just he was working on tracking the ball better as a wide receiver and, and seeing the ball. They didn't feel like he saw the ball all that well in the air. And I felt like if Fuller had gotten a, more of a chance to play with Deshaun Watson, I think maybe as time goes on and he plays more with Deshaun Watson, we're not going to be talking about Will Fuller's hands because I, I just remember that one play with an incredible play. I, I want to say it was against the Chiefs where Deshaun avoids this miracle rush and then the guy's flying at his face and somehow he, he spins out of it, you know, does a spin move and then he throws a 50 or 60 yard, you know, just one right on the money to Will Fuller who, who made a really <laughs> incredible catch on the other end. And, and I think with Will Fuller, we're going to see – Maybe with Deshaun Watson, the, the hands thing, it's not going to be as big a deal as we, we made it we made of it the first year and coming out of college. That being said, I'm not really comfortable with this group. Though Watson throws a, a more catchable ball. I, I don't want to rely on, oh, well, we'll coach him up to have better hands. You're a professional receiver. You're supposed to have that. So, like, I... I think Watson can make the best of the players that are around him, but I would like for him to have better options. One thing I wanted to ask you about, because we talked about the the tight end situation. Um, Before I get to that, I want to talk to you about that, but I just want to remind everybody real quickly to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Email us at LockedOnTexans at mail.com if you've got any questions. Steph, as far as the tight ends are concerned, last year, they didn't have anybody that could block and catch a pass. If they got somebody that could block and catch a pass, that totally opens up the offense way more than it was the last year or two uh, because C.J. Fedorowicz has been in and out of the lineup with those concussions, and he was the only guy that was even capable of that. If they could get that, 
then, then it really gives you a lot more options and it gives the offense a lot more versatility than it's had. Well, I do think that you can coach up tight ends very quickly if you find the right person. But I mean, in college football these days, you're going to have to teach somebody like there's not very many blocking tight ends that can also catch. Like that's not something that is an easy commodity to find on the college rates. You need to, to coach those those players up so they just need to have the physical size to allow them to be a willing blocker but yeah but then they have to also be able to catch i mean good luck with that i mean you have to find those those assets like i don't think they're going to get somebody off the shelf third round or lower that has that i mean even even in higher rounds you know the the, the players that tend to catch teams eyes are usually because they're they're good catchers, not because they're good blockers on the college level, because the college game is just different. They got Owen Daniels in the uh, fourth round, if I remember right. That is correct. And that was a Charlie Casterly pick. That was a very collaborative draft. The drafts Mm -hmm. previous to that, Casterly just would pick who he thought were the best players and not really get too much feedback from the assistant coaches. But that particular draft, they did a blended version of how both Casserly likes to work and Kubiak likes to work. And Kubiak said, this is what I need in my tight end. Casserly kind of banged the desk and said, you know, you, you need to get this Owen Daniels guy. He's going to fit. And Daniels first season was, was remarkable. Best tight end in Texas history. And uh, just a, another question, uh, and, and this may this news may go away pretty quickly, but you know, the fact that the Texas worked out Lamar Jackson, you know, that that certainly signals something that, you know, he, he may be available at some point. But do you think it's worth the Texas to trade up to get him to back up Deshaun Watson? You know, that's really hard. I mean, I think I think a lot of these kinds of issues are how much capital are you giving up? Which you might like at one price, you might not like at a different price. I would prefer not to do a trade up for him just because they have so many needs and you know, he may go at a level that you would have to give up an uncomfortable amount of draft capital to get him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the idea of having someone with similar skill sets to Deshaun Watson is appealing. Yes, very much so. Like, you know, sometimes people have this debate, like, we need to get an experienced quarterback versus we need to get a quarterback that resembles Watson. And I don't think it's an either or. I think every one of these quarterbacks are individuals that have pluses and minuses. And it's just how much you weight what you value. I mean, I I do think that it would be better to have a quarterback that more resembles what Watson does because then it's not as jarring when you're um, switching back and forth. That's That was one of the reasons why I did not like the pickup of Dave Ragone, even though it was good value. That's what Charlie Casserly said about it, because Dave Ragone was a left-handed quarterback. And unless somebody is named Steve Young, I don't want a left-handed quarterback to be my backup quarterback. You know, there's pluses and minuses. That would be a mm-hmm. minus to me. And so that's just kind of the evaluation you have. You have all of the potential free agents and backups out there. We're going to whisper the name of Colin Kaepernick. It's not going to happen, but. <laughs> we know. 
Well, I mean, if you're looking at the players, if you're looking at the players who are backups in the league, you know, if you're just looking at it from an X's and O's standpoint, yeah. you would be whispering that name. But we we understand that there are some negatives that come from that choice as well as a backup. He knows his system. He would be able to pick it up. Uh, just like that, because he he shares those traits. I mean, Deshaun Watson runs Bill O'Brien's offense. I mean, whoever they would bring in would have to learn that offense. Now, it's run a little differently with Watson. Like he does mm-hmm. some things off schedule that are very difficult to replicate. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, he shares some some traits. And oh, by the way. Um, he's one of the few free agents who has been in a Super Bowl and was one play away from winning or losing it. Can I interest you in a Johnny Manziel? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's funny because like, during that, that draft, there were a lot of people that were pounding the tables for, for Johnny Manziel. The Texans actually had a long meeting with Johnny. Like, you know, they had dinner with him. And Johnny's biggest issue was he, you know, obviously had his substance substance abuse issues but he didn't he didn't want to work you can't be a don't want to work person with bill o'brien or a nonsense person i i can't i can't imagine that johnny's um social media presence is something that would be seen as a plus by the texans or many franchises you know you can have a social media presence but they don't want you to be a distraction i mean bill o'brien's players are the least in the doghouse when they are pretty much name rank and serial number in the way that they give pressers like bob mcnair is bill o'brien's boss but if he was a player bill o'brien would not be very happy with how outspoken he is on various things and that would also be a negative to johnny mansell i mean i i hope the best for johnny mansell he is a dynamic player and he's been so fun to watch and i would i love happy stories where people get their heads on straight and they marry their athleticism with hard work to, to result in something that is their best, best self. I want everybody here to be happy and have their best lives, just like Oprah. <laughs> if, if there was a chance, like if there was a slim chance that either Colin Kaepernick or Johnny Manziel would have resigned, uh, would you would you have any of them have a greater chance of being signed over the two if if like they had to pick or they none of them would be in that situation in the first place no, i just wanted to get your opinion on that let's see i i think that would be a choice between a snowball's chance in hell and pigs <laughs> flying and you can pick who is who <laughs> yeah one guy doesn't have litigation against the owner so i'm going to go with the other guy uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Steph, is, I mean, you, you look at the talent on this team and we, I think we might get distracted by everything else that's going on. And, and yeah, there's still a lot of question marks on the offensive line, but honestly, as far as top end talent goes, wouldn't you say this is one of the most talented Texans team, maybe the most talented Texans team that they've had. I mean, you, you, you look at if Deshaun Watson is healthy and Whitney Merciless is healthy and say Watt's healthy, but you're not getting the old school J.J. Watt, but you're at least getting a good J.J. Watt, and you have Ty Matthew, and and you have uh, maybe the best linebacking core potentially with speed and athleticism that the Texans have ever had, and DeAndre Hopkins, and Will Fuller, if he could, I mean, there's a lot of health, if, if health, but I mean, this has got to compare to 
the 2011 team is maybe the most talented Texans team that we've seen. You know, it's all that health question. I mean, that 2011 team, I mean, if we were guessing health, that team had Mario Williams that unfortunately for him that season, you know, was not healthy. They had Arian Foster. Like right now they don't have that type of player on the team. I mean, that defense was legitimate and that offense was coming off of the season in 2010 where they had the second most efficient offense in the league. Obviously Watson for a very short period of time was breaking not just I'm breaking all time records for different sorts of things. And, you know, it, it would be dreamlike to project that over an entire season. But yeah, I mean, we're just talking hypotheticals. That's why they play the games. I will say this. I mean, if you look at the AFC, it's uh, with Jacksonville, you know, obviously the, the Patriots, but, you know, the Patriots, uh, they, they've lost a lot. They, they lost their two best uh, ta- offensive tackles in the offseason, which is, an interesting way to go about things for them. And it just seems like they, they lost way more people than they got. I mean, I know it's Belichick and Brady and you, but they do that every year, every year, like everybody, everybody wants to stick a fork at them every single year. And yet they're like, you know, like Jason in the Halloween movies or, you know, the Terminator who's not dying. I mean, they won't stay dead until they're bad. You have to assume that they're going to be good. I mean, they have the best coach in the league. They just do. And they've had the best quarterback in the league, even though he's old. But, I mean, until they're bad, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't count them out. Like, they've been consistently good. They get stronger over the course of the season because they, they just learn. They work together as a team. And, you know, people talk about, the Patriot way, but nobody replicates it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just interested to see, you know, you got a 41 year old quarterback or whatever Tom's going to be next year. And, you know, he's going to have two, two new offensive tackles. And at some point it, it's got to end. And I know I, I we, you say it over and over again, but you know, just to quote Charles Bar- Barkley, you know, mother nature or father time or whatever, it's undefeated, you know, it's undefeated. It's going to, it's going to catch him. But even, even during the time that, that Brady was suspended, they, you know, Belichick pulled a MacGyver and was like, okay, here's some chewing gum and um, some duct tape and a really old analogy. And, you know, here's an, here's, here's a winning team. Yeah. Matt Castle though had a much better supporting cast, I think. than. No, I'm not talking about Matt Castle. I'm talking about during the suspension. Oh, Garoppolo's good. <laughs> But it wasn't just Garoppolo. It was um, was a Brissett. Brissett beat the Texans. Beat us. Yeah. It was it was an embarrassing game. I was at a party that night, and and people were like, "Is this happening?" I was like, "Yes, this is happening." And it was a total buzzkill. The party went away in the second half after it was just a total blowout. It was not very fun. Well, yeah, they they could run you and me out there, Steph, at quarterback and beat the Texans. Though I think that's that's the that that's kind of been the problem. Well, I mean, no, but I mean, the third string quarterback did some things that made a good defense look bad. They just have really good coaching. Yeah, I just remember from that game that we had a kickoff returner that fumbled the ball twice and there was just all sorts of weird things. It was a Thursday night game that, you know, it's like three days deal and and just the Texans. No, it's, I mean, it just is the deal. 
it just is. Yeah, no, I know. I know. You have to be consistent in the NFL. You just have to. And it's easy to talk about all the cliches, but they're just better at doing that than everybody else is. You know, they have very few games where they are embarrassed. I wish I could say the same thing about the Houston Texans or any number of teams in the NFL where they'll look really great one week and look like dog turned the next. I mean, it's just, but I mean, the AFC South is stronger than it's been. At least it projects to be that way. So that's going to be a dog fight. There was, there was a stretch of 10 years where the AFC South actually was one of the best uh, divisions in the league. And then that went away for a while. And, you know, eventually if you keep on drafting good players, you'll finally get the coach running things. That's good. And you'll get, you know, some sort of help. I think a lot of the teams, obviously in the AFC in general have big question marks. Vegas seems to like the Texans, but it, for the Texans, it's all going to be about health. And it can't get any worse than last year. You know, a big fat jinx. You cannot say that sort of thing because the rings of bad stuff that can happen in the NFL are infinite. I don't know. Would you lead the entire NFL in injuries? And I think the Texans, you might correct me if I'm wrong on this. I thought the Texans maybe had the most guys that they played of any team in NFL history over the course of the season. Yeah, it was something crazy like that. Typically the, the, the stat people will say, well, you know, they'll tend to have more injury um, luck the next year, but that's not necessarily the case. They have some of their key players are aging and have injury histories. And some of the backups that were pressed into starting duty had, you know, sometimes those players get more injured once they're exposed more. And there's just so much stuff we still need to see with this team. If you believe in prayers, you know, that's, that's, Put, put that in your prayers. <laughs> Keep all of the athletes in Houston particularly healthy. Amen. Good to catch up with you, Steph. Uh, if there's anybody out there that still doesn't know, what's your Twitter handle? How do they find you? My Twitter handle is at Steph with a P-H, Stradley, S-T-R-A-D-L-E-Y. And uh, I have my link to my Chronicle stuff in my blog uh, in my bio on my Twitter. And I also have a link to my personal blog. Any version of my name, Stephanie Stradley or uh, StephStradley.com will take you to my personal blog. And I wrote something for The Athletic this week about um, the Michael uh, Bennett case. Oh, that's 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 awesome. Well, thanks a bunch. Uh, just to wrap it up real quick, uh, Brian's got it all covered on House of Houston, a fan side affiliate. Go check out his work and his guys works all the stories over there on houseofhouston.com Astros Rockets Texans you name it subscribe to my Houston Sports Talk podcast for me and RG Seal we're going to have Bill Brown talking about Astros pre not only Astros uh, preview but just uh, what's coming up for uh, all of baseball that'll be in this week's show as always thanks so much for making us a part of your week you are locked on Texans your daily Houston Texans podcast Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.